Thunderbrunt. Welcome to Writer's Blockbusters, the show that treats the final edit of a movie like the script. I'm one of the hosts, Bob Rose, and my Twitter handle is at ThunderGruntBob. We're going to go around the Zoom table and introduce ourselves, and we might have a surprise for you this time. <laughs> I am Jimmy George. I am a screenwriter and script consultant. My Twitter handle is at JimmyRGeorge. I am Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, I mean, do you think do you think I tricked anybody? Do you think they thought we got Arnold for half a second, maybe for half a second? Um, I am Jamie Nash. I am a screenwriter, and I am the writer of Save the Cat Writes for TV, now available at Amazon. And uh, last but not least, hopefully, I'm Eduardo Sanchez. I'm a filmmaker and um, friends with all with all the, with these three fools. <laughs> and uh, my Twitter handle is Sanchez on the mic. Nice. Hell yeah. Thanks for saying uh, we're your friends. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, the only way we got you here, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the payment went through, so I figured I'd, <laughs> I'd So uh, today we're going to talk about a movie that is that we're going to call Star Wars. We're not calling it A New Hope. We're not calling yes, it Episode please. 4. We're calling it Star Wars, which I'm happy to report that's still called that on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and Ed, you're joining us because you happen to be, from what I understand, a Star Wars fan. That's right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it, it uh, made me uh, really, you know, it got me interested in filmmaking and uh, special effects and writing and just anything that had to do with, you know, with filmmaking. So I kind of owe my... Uh, you know my career to the to the film, so yeah, very important film. Plus, I I'm addicted to fucking uh, buying Star Wars crap, so <laughs> there's that too. And I I was telling the guys if I remember, did you do like some kind of Star Tours video or something? I did. Like that? There was like a Disney was remodeling, like they did the re the reboot of Star Tours, like probably ten years ago now or so, and. Um, I knew that one of the guys at Disney and he and there was like a video that was going to go on the web to kind of show the new, you know, the new stuff. And they, he hired me to do it. And it was like a, it was a dream come true. But I was like, there was a C-3PO was there. I mean, not Anthony Daniels, of course, but <laughs> C-3PO and they had R2-D2 and they had some Jawas and um, I think Chewbacca. I mean, it was just like, and it was, I was directing, you know, Jawas, Jawas walking through the halls and stuff. So it was very cool. And, and, and I got to hang out at the Star Tours uh, ride while it was closed so and shoot there. So, yeah, it was, yeah. It was quite an adventure for me. Is that stuff still used today? Um, I don't know. I haven't looked. I'm probably not. Uh, but I, I have no idea. This was before um, you know they sold Lucasfilm sold it to to Disney. So I'm, they probably like revamped everything. But I don't know. I haven't looked. I'll, I'll check it out after this and see. It was just you know it was like a like a promotional video, not very simple. But it was cool to shoot in the you know in the tour uh, in the you know with all the the shuttle behind the the people and stuff. It was cool. Yeah, that's great. And you're you're actually like on the Star Wars YouTube channel, right? 
Yeah, I, I uh, did a sh I did one of uh, an episode of um, I don't even know what the hell it's called. It was like a sh just show about like how Star Wars kind of uh, you know you know influenced your life and they uh, they interviewed me and uh, it was cool and it was during COVID so they sent all this equipment so I was like my own product you know I, I did my own production set up all the cameras and stuff and it was quite a it was quite a a, a, a production but it was cool and uh, you know yeah and I I'm uh, I know some people at Lucasfilm, and I've been trying to get on. Now I'm trying to get on, you know, one of the shows to direct one of the shows. So I'm getting close, getting close. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Like there, right there yet. So, well, I think. I mean, that's like kind of the reason we wanted you on this episode because we hadn't touched Star. We we've done what two Star Wars movies, guys? Uh, uh th three, if you count Solo. Oh yeah, we've done. Oh yeah, right, oh, yeah. Solo. Yeah, we've done. And we've done uh, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So we, but we haven't covered any of the original trilogy <laughs> at all. I don't know why. After all these episodes, it's a little daunting, you know. It is. It's. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It may be too obvious for some people, but yeah. If we finally got here, it's a what's forty fifth anniversary. Yeah, forty fifth anniversary. Forty fifth anniversary. All right. Well, uh, do you guys want to just? I mean. I've, Ed pretty much answered the question already, but did you guys want to say anything about what this movie means to you? Just a little short thing. Go ahead, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw this movie when I was five years old, and I remember I was a little scared of it. Like, I must have seen it in the summer of 77 when I was five, so you can do the math on my age. Uh, but I was <laughs> I was actually, I remember hiding my eyes from Darth Vader and stuff. He was kind of scary when he came on. What? <laughs> Honestly, it was the movie that changed everything. Like life was different after I saw this movie. I saw it. I, I remember there used to be a contest. Like when we were kids, you'd always say, I saw it 30 times and I saw it 40 times or something like that. <laughs> you kind of had this. And I, I honestly, I'd see it like weekend after weekend. Every birthday we'd see it. I think a friend of mine even had a bootleg. The first time I saw a VHS was somebody had a bootleg of Star Wars and had it at their birthday party for somewhere. Uh, um, so the movie, it's just totally, everything was different after I saw Star Wars. I saw it after at the uh, the Westview Cinema in Catonsville. Ah, back in, yes. Wow. When I was five years old, just a little kid. <laughs> and, and I collected the cards. The first, that's a, this is a question I wanted to ask for Ed, actually. What's the first what was the first action figure you got? Because I remember they were hard to find, like, initially. I remember mine was Chewbacca. He was the first one I got. I can't remember which one was the first one. But, I mean, I remember, like, my favorite one was the... Uh, and this was later in when Empire, but they did, like, uh, Luke Skywalker in his pilot outfit. And that was, like, the most detailed one. And, I was, and, then, and then Boba Fett, when Boba Fett came out, you know, before Empire... But I had all of them, um, and I had the land speeder and some of the diecast, uh, you know, ships and uh, that stupid uh, little cantina playset with the black, yes. it was a cardboard thing. And yeah, man, I was into it. And I had, of course, X-wing fighter. I had, and um, remember right. that. Remember that noise it made when you, yeah, yeah, you press yeah, down yeah. R2? Yes. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah. My, my parents would never let me buy like the big like Millennium Falcon. Yeah, or too like, expensive. Yeah. Too expensive. But I did have the Death Star. Remember the Death Star with the, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, mm -hmm. the foam? It 
<laughs> yeah, it, no, it had like, I don't even think it opened. It was just like the straight thing. It had foam in the, in the trash compactor. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 like that like foam actual is, foam? Like, yeah, it had a little foam as like the trash. And that foam is like what makes like, what, you know, that, that particular toy like valuable or not. Like if you have the foam, it's worth more. If it survives. Is it, is it like a packet of dust or something that you mix yeah, with water? No, because it kind of, it like... I, you know, like it, it kind of dries up if you don't store yeah. it properly. So it, um, <laughs> it's very important to keep your foam wet and moist. Uh, Bob. I, don't know, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, no, I don't. That's why all my phone is ruined over here. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. That, that's honestly what I learned today about Star Wars there's, is this phone there, thing. I didn't know. Here's, that. A, here's, a, here's a story I could never tell anywhere else. But one of the big events of my life was Toys R Us used to have these events when the Star Wars figures came in that you would meet the characters and they would line up in the back and Darth Vader would be there. And and they were oh really bad, they're really bad costumes. And we get this huge line <laughs> and you just go up and shake their hands. Like they didn't even have autographs or anything. And it was like, you know, some dork dressed as Luke Skywalker, you know, there like Charlie or something. That's not Luke. I mean, that was that was basically what happened at like the senator, you know, outside of the special editions and stuff. Remember that? So I remember that used to be huge, like because to me, it was almost like, oh, they're from the real movie because I was too stupid to realize <laughs> they're just like the guy in a costume. You know? I, was like, I was like, wow, Luke Skywalker looks different in real life. Yeah, it's like, the, it's like the Santa Claus thing. Like, oh, yeah, man, yeah. What the, is that really Santa? Damn, Santa Claus is at the mall today, man. That's, that's cool. <laughs> you were at that age where you went to Disneyland and you thought Mickey Mouse was actually walking around, right? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Nah, I was never that dumb, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe Jamie was though. He got. To- I, I was. Fine. I was. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, did you want to say anything about Star Wars? I mean, from your heart. We, uh, my family, growing up, had we didn't have VHS. We had a Beta. This nice. movie was made before I. Yeah. <laughs> so we, when we went to the video store, all the movies that you wanted to see, we couldn't get. We could just get whatever was available on bunch, Beta. Bunch so of just- hippies. <laughs> <laughs> so we just ended up watching a lot of WrestleManias. Um, and, uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies were always available on beta and, um, <laughs> but, uh, we had five bootlegs. Arnold is on this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the worst. I'm not, I'm not trying. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to underplay it. So don't get criticized. Our, uh, our yeah. Austrian listeners are rolling their eyes right now. There's like um, a, a 0.5% Austrian. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, so we had five bootleg betas and one of them was star wars this was extremely formative what'd you say which which, what 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 other ones did you have (laughs) okay we had we had uh the karate kid Um, nice nice stunt uh, stunt rock stunt rock (laughs) (laughs) annie um, okay like the musical so so it was a really random you know assortment we had karate kid uh annie Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Temple of Doom were the five movies that Man. I that I saw nice. over and over. So it was like the universe was setting me up to be like a, a screenwriter and passionate about this stuff because like all those movies are in the screenwriting books as like you know formative and important movies and so maybe not so much annie but yeah no definitely <laughs> annie man yeah I mean, <laughs> imagine the history yeah, of Annie's cinema great. without annie um but uh, yeah, so it, it was very formative for me. And I had all the toys. I mean, I had all the toys. They're in an attic somewhere in a house I grew up in Virginia Beach that we had to 
we had to move away from and but they're all up there collecting dust for whoever lives there now so what <laughs> i know dude J- J- jimmy's secretly a millionaire he doesn't I think know it. About it i think about it too often man like oh my god they're up there what's happened to them like i know it <laughs> oh man That's uh uh, for, and I'll say I think I'm going to show my age here a little bit because I think I'm the youngest in this uh, Zoom mm-hmm. chat. Uh, I came to Star Wars late. I think I said this on our Raiders episode. I was more of an Indiana Jones guy when I was young. Um, I don't know why I wasn't exposed. To, don't shake, Jamie. You love Raiders. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't exposed to Star Wars early on, but I I came into it around the end of the '90s. Before the special editions, but not long before, and then I, you know, I became addicted to the OT and everything. I so think wait, I have wait, all wait, the episode wait. one figures and everything in my house. <laughs> so, <laughs> when, so when were you born? Well, uh, eighty two. All right, so you, yeah, so you were too young even for for Return of the Jedi. Yeah. But I mean, you yeah. know, but, but that's not that's not a rare thing because basically, I mean, you know, there was a major drought after Return of the Jedi, man. Like, yeah. There wasn't any. I mean, Lucas, you know, George kept that shit sealed for, you know, more than a decade. I mean, really, the special editions are what re- yeah. I mean, when, when I got to see that stuff with people again, I mean, that's yeah. what I was because I'd seen them like on VHS and stuff. But th- mm-hmm. that was when I was like, oh, OK, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, but even, I, I but came even late. the VHS versions were pretty late to market. You know what I'm yep. saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the Star Wars yeah. going to come out and Lucas, man. Yeah, and I even I double dipped even as a kid for the letterbox editions when they came out. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, the letterbox one, especially, especially on VHS, man. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, TA, the THX yeah, ones. I, yeah. Finally, on VHS, we get the widescreen. Oh man, yeah, it was like ten <laughs> pixels high. That, that's like what a, <laughs> You know, <laughs> and on a TV that was probably like a like yeah. nineteen yeah. inches. Yeah, the, re- the resolution on that was uh, like oh my, it was like what like like mud. <laughs> um. Okay, so Jamie, who wrote this shit? The 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 maestro himself. I don't know <laughs> what do they call George Lucas. Yeah, the oh, man, the legend. Man. I and we were mentioning. We'll talk about it in a second because there were some pre-drafts that th- there's a draft history of this or a history of drafts mm-hmm. before the actual shooting script. And there was also other contributors to this that didn't get a credit, which surprised me when I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Cause I always, in my head, I thought they did. And, uh, in addition, and we'll talk about that in one second. So, and oh. This is the time in the show where Jamie gets to mispronounce all the names <laughs> yeah. of the people. Jo- George yeah. Lu- Lucas. <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> Jorge Lucas. George uh, Lucas. I, I don't know how to pronounce Lucas. Um, mispronou- <laughs> mispronounce Lucas. So the Lucas, Lucas, George Lucas. Uh, a, a, a real a quick story. There was a fr- uh, somebody whose name was um, Jorge Luaces. You know that was a Spanish name, and he got introduced one time as George Lucas. Jorge Luaces. <laughs> fantastic. I wish I wish I knew that. I would have pronounced George that way. I. I I actually driving home. I had this weird existential crisis. Is it? Do you pronounce it Han or Han? Some people. Well, I, I, I go think Han. People be, in the I, movie pronounce it differently. I, I say Han, Han. Yeah. I, but that Han might be Solo. our our Baltimore might be speaking though with Han. Yeah, a little bit like Han. 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 Han Solo. Han Solo. That's a great costume right there. A Baltimorean Han Solo. Han Solo. That has to have been done. That has to. Um, But uh, I I, 
I think I always go hand and feel self-conscious about it. Like I know I'm wrong. I'm like hand solo. And I'm like, it should be Han solo. So anyway, now you can just uh, say solo. They fixed it for you. But the box office for this has it pegged. I, I just, this doesn't even seem right. Or maybe I always see it probably includes inflation. all of the releases, right? Well, that's what I mean. It almost seems low because the box office this has is, is 775 million. And I, I would have thought this movie, but maybe I've just seen adjusted for inflation numbers would be in the billion category. Seems but, low. Well, seems yeah, low. I mean, adjusted for inflation for sure, man. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I saw it 60 times in the theater. So. <laughs> Half of that's Jamie. <laughs> Playground <laughs> clout, baby. Well, you but, get, but literally, the, you know, ticket prices were literally like a tenth of what they are yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Know, it, was like a, it was like three bucks. That it was expensive I, back then. I, you know? I think now for it's like a kid, 15, right? Yeah, I think for a five-year-old kid, I think I paid like one dollar to get. Yeah, it. it was like a dollar fifty or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember paying. I remember paying three fifty. That's how old I am. That was the low <laughs> that I remember. So, yeah. yeah now, yeah, now we um, we weren't allowed to buy the popcorn though. My, you know, my dad would be like, "Yeah, too expensive." Too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but Jamie, those those uh, those writers that you spoke of that aren't credited, I guess they're not. Is he the only one credited as writer? On IMDb, he is the only one credited. Yeah, yeah officially, he's the only Man, one. Man, that's crazy. So, so I have this book that I'll be quoting a lot from that the listeners can't see the annotated screenplays, and it is basically like a writer's commentary from George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan and Irvin Kershner's in there about every single one of the choices made for every one of the movies. It's really cool. Um, and in it, George Lucas says, Gloria Katz, and I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm having Jamie's job here. William Willard Hayek. Is that how you said, pronounce it? The, yeah, I think. The, uh, he, he says they wrote, uh, they did a dialogue pass on the fourth draft, and, and they, 30% of the dialogue in the movie is theirs. So it's crazy that 30% of the dialogue is theirs and they're not even credited um, as writers. Do you deal with that sometimes, Jamie? I I do. Here's the weird thing that I, this is the reason it surprised me. I sort of remember George being sort of um, generous with credits because what, what happens is, and I'm not throwing poor George under the bus here, but what happens is the producers usually submit the credits kind of first to the WGA. So if George could, George could have submitted those other people to the to the WGA yeah. before it got to arbitration. Like, gotcha. so he could have just been like, you know, I'm going to do you a solid and submit you. Um, no, I'm not saying, you know, if, if he feels that he shouldn't and they agree to it, that's fine. I, I don't know how many. Yeah, no, it's are. weird because in this book, he's like, really like it's their dialogue. Like, they yeah, did such a good job. Like, it's weird. Yeah. I, I mean, I think also it has like, I mean, especially back then, it was just like, you know, they tried to keep the credits clean, you know, mm, and the idea of like sense. written and directed by George Lucas. It's just, you know, it's just a cleaner thing than. Yeah, it's a great marketing tool, right? It's a better marketing story. This guy did it. The guy from American Graffiti and now he's back, you know, it makes more sense than him and these other guys, the people that you don't know, you know, so exactly. it happens right. all the time, man. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. No, well, I hope crazy. they got paid. <laughs> I'm sure they did. I'm, I'm sure they got. I'm paid, sure there's nothing man. nefarious that way. Well, I, I knew I knew a, a one a, one of my teachers at UCF who was like the op, one of the one of the guys who opt did the optical lineup on the you know on the some of the um, the, the special effects, and um, 
he even got back end. Whoa. Like, he's, oh. That's the only movie that he ever got back end on. So I, I think what a movie to got, get it though. Yeah, dude. Know, yeah. Well, he, that was, <laughs> wow. that was his, um, that was his call, you know, his claim to fame in the school, man. He was the, one of the optical guys on star Wars. Well, you know. <laughs> I go to his class after hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he, he was not the best teacher, but he has that one thing to scream at people when he's in an argument. Do you know oh who I God, am? Yeah. <laughs> the, you know what I the did? optical line guy on Star Wars. He did, he did not like me, man. He did not like me. Oh, <laughs> well, he's one of our best listeners. Now he's going yeah. to. Right. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's going to get an angry G email. <laughs> here, here, no, here he is. Zoom again. <laughs> we got a surprise for you, Ed. <laughs> from your past, blast from your past. We found all of your enemies just to talk, <laughs> and, and he sounds just like Arnold. <laughs> uh, but you're like for Empire. I mean, not to not to uh, go down a path we we don't need to go down. But George did give uh, the original writer. Is it Lee Brackett? Uh, mm-hmm, like so. Lee Brackett got large cast and got credit. And I yeah. think George took a story by, even right. though George, from what I've seen, did do a draft and then did a draft mm-hmm. after Lee and did a lot of work. So George was a pretty generous credit yeah. person, I've always found. So anyway, that's the only reason that kind of wasn't, surprised me when I saw it. Wasn't there like a false story about him? I feel like in the in the aughts about George wanting to get credit for the for Empire and Jedi post like like post them coming out because he made so many changes or something. I remember Who some, knows? I remember some story <laughs> about that floating around and it was completely false. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. That that was never true. Well, um, I mean and also I mean, you know, directors also make tons of changes on scripts and you know and right, rarely sure, right. credit. So it's kinda you know, it's kinda I, I don't know how credits work. You know, like I, I I you know we I think Jamie and I work together a lot and we try to, you know, be as generous and kind of as honest as possible. But sometimes, you know, I guess when you have so many writers and stuff, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. long as you get paid, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I hope they got paid. I tell you the hard thing about it is, though, because I've missed out on a couple things I've done. I haven't gotten um, because of WGA arbitration and stuff. The checks the hard in part the mail, is, Jamie, I told you. Well, the hard part is you don't get the residuals, the WGA residuals. Mm, yeah. And for something like Star Wars, that could be millions of dollars. Yeah, like, good point. Like, when you hear John August, uh, when he talks about, he he kind of tells you what his Aladdin, the the Aladdin remake, he made millions of dollars off of residuals, off the Aladdin remake. That's so really if, crazy. You, you okay. can imagine, you can imagine if those two writers were on here, literally they probably lost out on a few million dollars yeah. based on that but credit. At I, least. I, it, it was just, I thought it was in, an interesting thing to discover um, about this movie that I didn't know before, so. Yeah, no, totally. Not dogging on George. I love George. No, this is a pro George uh, podcast. <laughs> He's had enough. Let's let's leave yeah. the guy alone. Yeah, um, yeah. Seriously, uh, did yeah. you guys want to talk about uh, the off-screen movie, Jamie? Is this is, yeah, is this Jamie? Your, is this your point? Yeah, yeah. Well, what I was going to say was this is kind of how the movie. One of the lessons I take from the movie all the time is there, there's a couple things. 
One is the in media res kind of thing, the start in the middle. Like this movie does that so well. And I think it blew my mind when I was a kid. Like the fact, first of all, and I know this came later, but the fact that he put episode four in there just kind of, Mm -hmm. it let you fill in what the first three episodes were and things like that. It just lets you do that. But also the fact that we're coming in on that scroll, it, you know, it, it kind of tells us that they just won a major battle. We're coming off of it. And this is the back end of that. And we have these two spaceships flying after each other. And then these, these stormtroopers who we've never seen before, when they blow, honestly, when they blew up that door and came through that smoke and had that battle, that's, that is probably the moment my life changed. Like I was like, wow, what the, you know, what is going on here? You became a man that day. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, that, that, that scene. Yeah, because I mean, Greg, Greg, my partner, Greg Hale, also like he says that when Darth Vader comes through that door, that's the moment he realized he wanted to be a filmmaker. You know, and I, wow. yeah, I don't, have, I don't have quite that. You know, like I don't know exactly when, but yeah, I mean, it was just there's so many moments in that movie, you know, that like kind of change shit. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Um, so what you're when, saying because it threw us into a battle, like it, it, the movie, like the story's going and we're just joining. Right, We're joining some ongoing thing. Some ongoing, yeah. yeah, some saga, right? Yeah, uh, Jamie, it's the polar opposite of the breakfast scene. I know it's, you're you're yeah. uh, you're sensitive about the breakfast scene, <laughs> right? Right. So the, you know, in in my book, I talk about the breakfast scene because I watched a lot of pilots, and a lot of pilots actually like the second scene is they're eating breakfast <laughs> and and they're talking, and you know, but instead this throws you into a story and we have to catch up. There's yeah. there's a whole off-screen movie that happens. And we've talked about the off-screen movie before. Uh, so Terry Brasio and Ted Elliott had this concept called the off-screen movie. And their idea is that movies, the off-screen movie gives momentum to the movie. Like that's, there, there's if you have a world going on outside of the movie and there's these great scenes happening, then the movie has momentum because I think the audience is kind of doing the math on all that stuff in the background. So there's all this stuff. And Star Wars is one of the best examples because it does it in media res and it also does it in those words like my father fought in the Clone Wars, you know, mm-hmm. so it does world building. Um, and it there'll it, be no one to stop us this time. It's in right. the first Darth Vader. Well, scene. what happened last time? Right. Yeah. 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 And what, yeah. what a cool off screen movie does is, you, you know, how like the best scenes of Raiders, of the Lost Ark and Star Wars and stuff like that are the opening scenes. You know how you jump mm-hmm. in the middle What the good off screen movie does is even when you come to Luke, he's kind of already, we're kind of doing another fade in with Luke, you know, Mm -hmm. we're like, what's this guy up to? What, you know, Mm -hmm. what's his deal? So almost every time we come to somebody, most, uh, Moss Eisley, when we, when we end up in the cantina, there's a whole off-screen movie there that happens like Mm -hmm. with Solo and things like that. So every time we come in, we're kind of in the middle of something and we're trying to figure it out. And uh, Terry Rossio, he kind of says, Terry Rossio is the writer of like, uh, Shrek and Aladdin and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, small he soldiers. Says, yeah. Small soldiers. Uh, yes. Mars. Uh, <laughs> Action so, figure. Action yeah. figures. There you go. <laughs> what, what he says. What he says is so. You know what. What he came to his his realization with the off screen movie. He said, if you want to make a movie boring, put all the all the off screen movies in it. Have no. Uh, off, oh, I'm sorry. All the off screen movie scenes in it. So fill in all the gaps. And your movie will be kind of boring. Uh, so his his thing is by taking things out, that's what gives momentum. He actually in that article, it's it's an old article. He 
he uses Blair Witch as another example. He said he, he specifically uses the Blair Witch Project. And he says, you know, horror has its own off-screen movie. And in the Blair Witch Project, all that stuff that's happening off-screen gives the movie momentum. You know, the, the audience is filling in the gaps. And uh, so you can never really get bored because the audience always kind of has some work to do while they're watching the trajectory. It's never slowing it down. Yeah, so, that, that movie Blair Witch was a work of genius, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't, we wanted you to say so. Make, yeah, the anyway, that's the off-screen movie. The uh, you, you've talked about you've talked about specifically um, with that lesson, Jamie. Um, uh, big world, small window, and uh, even though this is like massive world, big window. But like the cantina is a great example, right? Like we get that has its own big world, small window. Like you said, each one of these aliens has their own ship own somewhere, has and, yeah. their own story somewhere. Your imagination, their own planet somewhere, wild, right? Their yeah. own species. You're like, holy shit! There's like 500 movies in this room, you know? So yeah, even the like the worn, the used universe methodology where everything has stains and dirt and stuff like that even that speaks to the off-screen movie mm. in some ways it's throwing mm. every, all this stuff has history it's yeah been, all the ships look like shit yeah everything is gross yeah, and, yeah, gross and grimy yeah, everything, worn down. everything is yeah. used has a history but and even like han solo like you know the you you see you introduce him and then you see this you know the whole thing with jabba the hut that you know Luckily, right. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the original, they cut that scene, you know, the job of the hut scene out. But you're like, man, what the hell happened with this guy? Man, exactly. this guy's this guy's you know, badass, you know. Like, and you want to, yeah, you want to know. No, it, that's it's, cool. That's a good. That's a good example. Yeah, because it really not, is. Yeah, the, the job of the hut aspect. Like, I think it hurts the movie to put that yeah. scene in because it's yeah. taking the off scene screen movie and it actually lessens the tension in some mm -hmm. ways. Because in, in one scene, you have Jabba the Hutt, or I'm sorry, you have Greedo try to kill him and there's a bounty on his head. The next scene, Jabba's kind of reasonable. You know, it's like, well, we're going to make some money. <laughs> he's, you know, also not like, very, he's not very, he's not very threatening either in that. No, scene. he's not. No, yeah. <laughs> it really hurts it. I, yeah. I hate that. I hate that scene. No, but that's a great example of like we're in media res with Han Solo and we're trying to figure out what the hell's like you said, Ed, what the hell is going on with this? This is this whole other thing. And it's so captivating and you and you're just desperate for answers. And there's lots of tension around finding out what the hell's going on and like who else might be around the corner wanting to shoot him. Things like that. So do you, do you guys also find it interesting, maybe a little off topic that, you know, the off screen, it's like this is the one franchise that tried several times to show us the off screen movie. To, for better or worse throughout the franchise. Yeah, you know what as I mean? it expanded. As it kept expanding. Yeah. It kept showing us. I <laughs> yeah, mean, like, prequels. like, hey, do you want to know what happened right before <laughs> New yeah. Hope? And, well, yeah. we got that for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it just kind of like it was answering the questions we we're saying right now. Maybe shouldn't have been. Yeah, it's, in, it's it is no, weird that that not is reviewing kind of those the off-screen movies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're the off-screen movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, Lord of the Rings has a similar thing that they went I guess he went back and explained stuff in that last book he wrote, you know, and, it, and that book's the least interesting book of, you know, all of them. Cause it's just kind of this weird explanation of similarian. Yeah. It's yeah. Just but, nothing but context. Is that all it yeah. is? To, it, yeah. It's exactly. just naming people who had, whose kid and it's just constant. Yeah. What happened but, then? And, 
But if you read Lord I've of the Rings, I've never read it, so I don't. It's know. not a fun read. It's not, even <laughs> it, if you love Lord of the Rings. Look, and Lord of the Rings has a lot of my father fought in the Clone Wars kind of things. Like there's mm-hmm. there's Sauron, there's the early days, and that will get an Amazon series that'll fill in the gap. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in it that you can just imagine, and a big off screen movie going on that mm-hmm. you really don't need filled in. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's talk there's about, actually, there's like a uh, real quick. There's actually yeah, a cool no. book called um, Tales from the Cantina, which fills in a lot of the backstories of all the little characters. And it's a, you know, I mean, it is, it is, um, you know, the the it's kind of breaking the rule of the movie, you know, showing what what happened before. But it's it's interesting. There's some cool stories, and uh, th- that's what I, I also love about Star Wars is that you can, you know, if you want to know that other that off screen story, you can you can dive in and, and and find out about it, you know. And sometimes it's not as good as 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 you thought it would, but sometimes they come through pretty well. I know the expanded universe. There's some great stuff in there for sure. Yeah, hey, yeah. I love the Ewok movies. Okay. Hey, me too. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> They're on Disney Plus too. I just found you that know, out. That was one of the five betas. Was taped off TV. The Battle for Endor. Hell, okay. Um, <laughs> all right. <Whoa>. There we go. <laughs> Fancy. Um, how about the holiday special? Well, <laughs> no. no. I wish I had that beta tape. It's on YouTube. Um, it's on YouTube. <laughs> I've seen it maybe too many times. Um, yeah, but let's uh, let's get to some of the, like the thing you were talking about, Jimmy. Uh, rewrite, re- rewriting, and the original draft to final cut, right? Like this is like yeah, a huge so, topic for even us to talk about. Yeah. So this is kind of a long one, but what I what I thought I'd do here, and again, this is coming right from George's mouth. So this is George Lucas telling us that this is what it used to be compared to what it ended up being. Um, uh, There's like immense power. Like what I'm hoping that we can gain out of this is seeing that like it didn't start great. It started shitty. Like your favorite movie. Isn't that right? As a as a shitty first draft. So like there is power in taking the time to go through third draft fourth draft to to hone in on what makes your story great and kind of get it to reach its full potential so i'm gonna compare the two the two versions like the original and now and we can like just hash out like what can we learn from that like what 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 would the movie bit have been like if it stayed this way right (laughs) so i'm just gonna go down the list and then we'll try to figure out what the lessons are for what we think the lessons are so the first one is uh, the story took place in humanity's future. It actually took place in the year 3300. It wasn't a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away until the fourth draft. And George said, I knew I wasn't doing science fiction. I was doing space opera, a fantasy film, a mythology, a mythology piece and a fairy tale. I needed to establish this was a made up world so I could do anything I wanted with the story. So I can you imagine Star Wars if it was Earth, place Earth. 3300? Yeah, <laughs> you're really tying yourself down to some baggage, too, right? Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it to me, it speaks about the importance of like setting up your genre because mm-hmm. like, you know, he I guess maybe he was hearing pushback like, well, this is, you know, it, we, we start micro analyzing. It's like the gremlin, the gremlins rule, right? Like the more you try to ground it in reality the more you're like well how does this work you you know what's you know what's interesting about that though is if you look at his influences most of those are grounded in earth like flash Mm -hmm. gordon flash gordon is grounded in earth john carter is grounded in earth uh buck rogers is grounded in earth so it's interesting that he 
didn't great you know what i mean that he had the yeah. kind of foresight to say this is fantasy i can do whatever i want in that world well and the, and the fact that that's the first thing you see you know those words and that's just it just like completely you know it it, uh, it sets you free it, it really sets yeah, you that. free to be like okay this has again the baggage it has no baggage zero it gives you permission um, to just anything can yeah. happen and you're gonna yeah, just which, go. I, which, which yeah. I think you know is part of the reason why like like Mandalorian is is so popular, and like Rogue One is supposedly you know the kind of the the, the best you know supposedly the best movie uh, you know after the the original trilogy um, because you know they, it just has less baggage you know what I mean and that's I think a lot of people were disappointed with Book of Boba Fett because there's so much baggage with Boba Fett everybody has oh he's a badass whatever and it's like no matter what they do um, you know they uh, they kind of you know, there's going to disappoint a certain thing, you know, a, a segment of the audience, just like the, the, you know, the, the force awakens and all those. It's like, so I, I, you know, I think that's great. I think that's, I, I didn't know that. And that's, and it's so, it's so smart because it like, again, it, it's like kind of like Lord of the Rings. Like you're like, you accept, you know, you're more open to stuff when you're like, ah, oh, that's not in real world. It's you know. not, yeah, yeah it's, it's not in New Zealand. It's in. Yeah. yeah. Middle earth. It, what is middle earth? <laughs> well, yeah, middle exactly. here. So it just, it <laughs> they just don't have Seven Eleven. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, I didn't know that. That's great. I also think yeah. uh, my, my one point would be that, like, doing that also frees George up from, like, commenting on any of society's events or making any, like, sly references right. to stuff that happened in our history and everything. Like, right. it frees you up. You don't have to do all that. You don't, or you don't get those right. questions either. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> You know, people will be asking those questions like, if this happened, how come it's 2,000 years yeah. this happened, you know? It yeah, could yeah, be yeah. more metaphoric and more like a mythology. Right, exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. In the history. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad I'm glad you all found it as interesting that's, as I did. That's yeah, a no, good one, Jimmy. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Okay, second one. R2-D2 originally spoke English and had just English-speaking dialogue. <laughs> and so the two robots were just arguing two English guys. Um, and here's what George said. He said, originally I wanted both the droids to talk, but it took the mystery, the charm, and the uniqueness away from both of them. They were too similar. After the first draft, I decided I wanted to make them as different as possible so they'd be easily identifiable and they'd be wholly separate characters. So I mean that's just classic comedy rules too. If you have a duo, they can't be the same person. You have to have <laughs> yeah. a clash, right? Because they are the comic duo. Yeah, they, they are the comic duo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You got to have the straight man, right? The yeah. buddy cop movie does not. If they're both the same, it doesn't work, does it? <laughs> they're yeah. the they're the two old muppets, man. Yeah, you need um, to have the odd couple. One's uptight and one's <laughs> loose and adventurous, right? Yeah, for me, like it, like it, it speaks to the power of contrast, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Okay, the third one. Um, and, and Jamie, this is building off of your in-media res. Um, the, the, uh, the third one is, George always wanted the movie to start the way it does, but even in the shooting draft, it opened with Luke on Tatooine. So he said, this is kind of a long quote, but it's important. He said, all my friends gave me notes that Luke was my leading character, so we should start with Luke. So I did that. I wrote it that way. We shot it that way. But I couldn't get it out of my mind that I wanted the robots to be taking you through the story. I wanted the robots to be taking you to Luke, Luke taking you to Ben, Ben taking you to Han, Han taking you to Princess Leia. I always wanted each character to take you to the next person. So I finally said, I don't care what people say. I decided to follow my heart. So... 
Imagine if we met Luke first. <laughs> like, what a different fucking movie. <laughs> well, it wouldn't. It wouldn't start the way you know. It wouldn't start like you were saying, mid off-screen movie, mm-hmm. right? Because that's like the beginning of a story, right? It like, would be Luke, a yeah. wholly different experience, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure and you, you Ed and Jamie have gotten notes from people who are like, You should do this. You know, you should do it this way. Make it There's, chronological. You should show the Blair Witch. Um <laughs> yeah, no, well, you gotta yeah. show her origins and everything. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, and I I mean and also I mean we would have like missed out on that crazy first shot, you know, which is like yeah. you know you know, that and especially on the big screen, man, like that, like that Star Destroyer going over was just like you'd never seen anything like that so yeah it, it would have definitely like deflated the, you know it would just kind of killed the momentum from the very beginning mm-hmm. you know I, I feel i feel like i read a comic book or something as a kid or there was some version that maybe maybe i even read the novelization that started with him like looking up through his binoculars at the battle or something um and it was really so maybe weird. that was maybe that was originally how the script was, but yeah. And so. like he was kind of watching it. And then you get, of course, he had all that stuff with Biggs and 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 his friends mm-hmm. back home, which you've probably seen clips from. That's kind of I don't know, it's kind it's of boring. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would go with what Ed said but, too. Like most people that would suggest you do it as like a, a strict storyline, they're forgetting that film was also a visual medium. You know, like mm-hmm. like you said, you want that giant opening. That's more enticing. That's going to grab the audience. Like, it's not just about what makes the most sense. You know, like, don't you have to start with Luke just because mm-hmm. it's about him? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Us, yeah. No, I, I think it's instructive that here, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it, instructive that here's, here's like one of the most famous movies and, and main heroes of all time, and we don't meet him for 18 minutes. Yeah. And you I can mean, pull that off with the right I, ingredients. I was going to say it. If you look at it purely structurally, like if you're doing the minute thing and stuff, it totally throws it off. Even though this movie has the most classic structure of like any movie you can find, it's like mm-hmm. 100%. But it does throw the minute markers off because obviously, mm-hmm. if you're supposed to have a, a catalyst at minute 12, it's not coming to like minute 25 or something like that in this movie. It but just, I think, it, I mean, it goes to show you that not, that doesn't always need to be followed to tell no. a good story, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Jamie, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Cat. I, I think cat, man. Yeah, man. I, I think you guys are wrong. Break free. And I think we've proven that this movie isn't any good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's, here's, here's one of my favorite ones. This one. Okay. Number four. In the first draft, the force was not explained and it didn't have a light or dark side. It was just the force. So George said, I realized we needed to explore the idea of positive and negative two sides of every entity, a pull and a push, a yin and a yang. The struggle between those two sides of nature became something I knew we needed to include in the film. I mean, imagine no dark side. Damn. Either way, wouldn't that come through with the characters' choices how to wield it? Well, like, even so there we're is no dark get, side. Well, yeah. we're going to get onto that next. That's but the next. You point. know what I mean, though? It would have come out in the writing anyway. I almost feel like it's a good choice. It's a good choice. I'm just saying, yeah. if the force exists and there's some people who use it for bad, then it's the same thing, kind of, right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's true. It probably would have worked itself out organically, and it did. 
But it, what it reminded me of is I read a lot of scripts. Jamie, tell me if you if you do too. I read a lot of scripts that have a theme, but not an opposing theme. So it starts to come across like a PSA. Everybody on everybody on screen is sort of like, be a good person, be a good person, be a good person. And you never have the person who is the bad person who has their own agendas and mindsets and and mantras and wielding power from being a bad person. So I think it speaks to the power of having an opposing theme in order to make your theme resonate. Um, There'll be so many times where I'll be like this, just I'm reading a 90 page PSA. Um, (laughs) Also, uh, since we got Ed here too, like having the idea of like a dark side also adds like a slight horror element to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Well, like and it, also, Dar- and Darth Vader. I mean, you know, his name is almost dark. <laughs> Darth Vader, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. I think you know. Yeah, it, it kind of naturally come, and he's you know he's black. He's dressed in black. I mean, yeah. That, and again, like kind of what what Jamie was saying is that he was kind of a scary. I was eight when I when the I was seven or eight, and it was um, yeah. He was kind of he kind of scared the shit out of me a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And, that, but, I think so that, the dark side and light side was just just made a lot of sense. And Ben was like so opposite. He's like just so gentle and mm-hmm. oh, and also you realize like damn, Ben is like hiding out. Like his, something is up. Like like Ben is in trouble, man. He's a he's, he's, he's a hermit. Like yeah. what's going on with Ben's backstory? <laughs> Why the how did he end up here? You know what I'm saying? Like the dark side <laughs> is something to be feared. Like if you look, yeah, at him, like you know? yeah, yeah. Ben fears yeah. that shit. Look where it, look where it got Ben. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> He became a hobo, yeah. Yeah, he basically became a hobo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. It just he, nah, yeah. nothing wrong with that, man. Yeah, Jamie, I feel like you're about to say something at some point, and I did I cut you off? No, no, I, I was just chiming in. I, I was going to say that Darth Vader, that breathing thing, really, I think, was the thing that creeped me out when I mm-hmm. when I saw it. You know, that breathing <laughs> thing, but also it, this whole dark side, light side. You know, Obi-Wan's basically a wizard. Uh, on this mm-hmm. watch, I, I noticed it even more. Like mm-hmm, Me too. Yeah. The, I never remembered, like, that little thing where he does, like, he goes like that, and you hear the noise, boom. And the <laughs> yeah. I didn't even remember that. Yeah. That's like his it. first telekinesis on screen, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's got all these, like, wizard tricks. So the dark side is just, like, you know, very much like a dark wizard versus the light wizard what, it's very similar on this rewatch when i i was like did he make the sound or did he have something in the room bonk i know it's a yeah. stupid thing but i was like how what exactly happened right there <laughs> this, can he throw sound okay is that a joke well even the sand the the sand people scream that he does i've always watched it and be like why didn't we see jedi do weird shit like that in any of the other movies i love that like he just throws out this supernatural scream like that would have been cool to have a jedi like uh, like a banshee jedi um <laughs> well they've been adding force powers like yeah maybe the they'll do it ed right? when you get your episode do it dude banshees yeah, yeah man absolutely <laughs> jedi <laughs> banshees you. give us credit too we want credit <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so here's number five um it's it's uh building off that force stuff of the difference between the force and the first draft and the force in the movie um the force was like the, the force powers were basically nothing. They were just intuition. Like they couldn't move things. They couldn't, it was just, it's basically just having like a sixth sense of intuition and being like psychic. There was no like physical uh, power, supernatural powers involved in, in using the, using the force wasn't a thing. So, and then, so, so Luke didn't use the force to destroy the, 
the Death Star. And there was really no Death Star in the early draft. That's another comment coming down. But Luke didn't use the Force to save the day, basically. He just, like, used his ship. So I think that's pretty fucking That's huge. That's huge. <laughs> How does that's that even the, that's work? The whole, that's the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. How, how does that first draft even work then? I don't even, <laughs> man. Okay. Yeah. Like we've talked about um, uh, the idea of a premise specific tactic uh, in Get Out. Chris uses the cotton to jam his ears to prevent himself from being hypnotized so that he could escape. That is a tactic that is so specific to the movie. It's something we could only see in Get Out. In Ghostbusters, they cross the streams in order to defeat the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. That is a tactic that we could only see in Ghostbusters and it is so specific to the movie, it wouldn't work in any other movie. So using the force is like, it couldn't be more premise specific. It is a tactic that could only be used in this movie and then they use it in all the other movies. But um, so I, th- I think it's really instructive about like the importance of a premise specific tactic to, to, to win. How did that first draft handle Luke's arc? If, if at the end was just like, Oh, I aim good. He was a whole different character. So that's a whole different story that I didn't think was very instructive because it's too complicated, but I'm just uh, curious because that's like a huge change. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was basically Luke and Anakin were two characters that became Obi-Wan and Luke. Um, but, uh, Okay, the the sixth one. Uh, this is this is my longest quote, but I think like it's pretty building off of everything that we said before. In the early drafts, this is crazy to me. In the early drafts, Han Solo was a Jedi warrior. They enlisted to help them. <laughs> oh Jesus! Han Solo was a Jedi warrior, <laughs> so it was just like three Jedi, two Jedi warriors, and a wannabe Jedi. Um, uh, here's what George said. And I think this is like the most instructive quote of the book. Um, George says, Luke is this young, idealistic, naive, clean kid about to be initiated in the rights of manhood to make that work. I needed someone to contrast him against. Ben is this wise teacher. He's a good natured person and conservative, but there's no fun in that contrast. Just like I had Vader to contrast with Ben. I made Solo more cynical and world-weary, a pessimist to play opposite of Luke's good nature. I tried to establish this kind of contrast with all the characters in the later drafts, even with the droids. Um, You always try to set up a character and then you create their opposite. Another character who has an opposing point point of view on everything, so they can argue. If you have two characters that are the same, talk the same, act the same, think the same, there's never going to be anything for them to talk about ever. (laughs) right so i mean damn imagine han solo's jedi warrior (laughs) i mean him being part of the establishment is not okay you know what i mean it's such a good change yeah so i think him being religious (laughs) workshop workshop your characters so they're as different as possible um is what i got out of this it's those agents of change guys yeah you 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 put you put you give a character a bunch of people who represent the opposites and that forces them to like look inward and be like am i doing this right maybe i could be different maybe i could be better and i i mean everybody everybody changes han throughout this movie like han is constantly everybody is an agent of change to han everybody's like oh I guess you, I guess that's what you're good good for look looking out for yourself and like making him question his ways. Uh, I mean, Han Solo has his own awesome arc in this movie. 
Um, okay. Also, the you sap- could argue that Han gives the movie it's like I don't know what word to use swagger. That's what. Like, oh, dude. Like without oh, Han, there's a, there's an element that I don't know that Star Wars would have been the phenomenon he's, it was. He's the he's the kind of modern man, you know, aspect. While yeah. everybody else might he's be. He's kind of from Earth, like yeah. Not yeah. he's not, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I yeah. think you. I think you, I mean he basically said it perfect in his quote. He's fun, right? Like you take you make him a stuffy old Jedi warrior. All the fun is sucked out of the movie. He's cool. He has a dog and a cool ship. <laughs> he's got a dog. Yeah, he's got a pet. Yeah. Plus, I mean, and also this is kind of it's like the what why the whole like you know, Greedo shot first, Han shot first, like the whole you know fixing it in the tri- in the uh, special editions, like like the idea that Han shot this guy was why Han Solo made him cool. You were yes, like, oh, man, that guy, yes. he just shot that. I mean, you know, obviously Greedo's going to probably shoot. I mean, because right. Greedo, it seemed like, was just going to take him back to the hot job of the hut or whatever. And yeah. Han's like, nah, man, I'm going to freaking, I'm going to shoot you <laughs> under the table. You yeah, know, like, imagine if he was a pacifist. Yeah, like, no, it, it would suck. Out, <laughs> well, now and they shoot at the same time in the, right? Yeah, that's one of those frustrating no. things in the trilogy yeah. In the special edition, we're like, just leave Han the same. He, he was, <laughs> by the by the end, he's a good guy. Let him be a little bit of a bad guy. You know, he's he, you know he's he's questionable. He's got questionable morality. He's a spice. He's a drug. You know, yeah, smuggler. smuggler yeah, and he and he loves that about himself. Yeah, like yeah. So like, if you don't if you don't front load all that moral questionability. Then the big choices in the end don't have their impact. So, well, and, um, and, that's probably, and that's probably like the trouble with like the you know, epi- yeah, I mean, in the different podcasts, of course, but like the episode one is that you know, the, too many Jedi, I guess, right? Too many, you know, and it just didn't didn't have too, that too many similar characters. Yeah, too yeah. many similar, and didn't and, have that Han Solo like just you know kind of asshole, you know, you know, like yeah. there's no there's nobody <laughs> there's no in the prequels like saying what we're thinking about the stuff you know what i mean han kind of did that he was like you guys are all stuffy and you, it's better just to shoot first and not ask questions later the, the closest the pre- we get is watto watto <laughs> yeah I, like, and that's like nothing on screen you know that's like your mind tricks don't work on me yeah right yeah like um, liam neeson's cool but he's not cool as like a <laughs> as like a very yeah, serious dude no. you know but that's a really good point the prequels kind of are what this was gonna be yeah right? that, that's yeah I, I can't help but like think about that like george not following his own advice <laughs> um it's interesting yeah, we all make yeah. mistakes yeah, yeah man um there, he's, he's a, earned the right to do that <laughs> there, there's a graphic novel based off of one of his early drafts uh you might you might see it out there it's called the star wars it's by rinsler uh put it together the guy who does all the history books. all the making ofs yeah cool. And he did the graphic novel. He adapted some of the early scripts to the graphic novel. I got it. I couldn't get through about five pages of it. It's so boring. <laughs> it's just like a bunch of Jedi Knights sitting around, you know, it's just so dull. I mean, it sounds kind of familiar. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's all meetings and stuff, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so the yeah next it's all administrative meetings. <laughs> administrative. Uh, management. <laughs> That's why I go to the movies because I want it to feel like work. <laughs> it's just, yeah, just conference calls. <laughs> <laughs> um oh shit yeah star wars the conference call <laughs> the conference call um so so the, so the seventh one we're we're, all, we're almost to the end here um of this topic the the death star wasn't capable of destroying a planet and it didn't even destroy a planet Al- alderaan until the fourth draft 
It was just a base that had some some high powered weapons. It wasn't. It didn't have the power to crush the rebellion. I mean, so, stakes problem there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, like Jamie. Like, imagine this movie without the Death Star. Like, where's the urgency? Work. Right. It's, it changes it's everything. I mean, you know, we should jump into that really quick because I think this movie has a great instructive kind of thing that's happening. Is you know, structure-wise, it has this um, this finish line goal. You know, so so most mm-hmm. stories when you're coming up with them, you have a hero, a goal, an obstacle, and stakes. So in this movie, you have Luke Skywalker has to transport the droids to the rebels uh, before the Death Star becomes operational and blows up planets and destroys the rebels, essentially. So you have you have like perfect stakes, you know, these galactic mm-hmm. stakes, but you have a very clear what this movie does as well. It has a very clear finish line where you can. And here's the key to having a good goal is it has a finish line as opposed to just saying Luke Skywalker's running. You put the finish line there. Like he has to get the droids to the rebels, you know, and that's the thing you could take a picture of that. Um, it's the difference between somebody writing the fugitive and saying um, a guy's on the run and a guy must solve the murder of his wife. And he's on the run, you know, while he's on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie has a great, uh, finish line, but it also has really good stakes in that there's kind of a ticking clock with the thing becoming operational and then also finding where the rebel base is as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was the finale of that draft too? Was it still that blowing? You said it didn't blow up? Uh, I don't know what the finale of the draft was. I just know that it didn't blow up any planets, nor did it have the power to do that. <laughs> was the ending just, hey, we're going to stop being evil. All right. Yay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. This is another big one. Here we go. Obi-Wan did not die until the fourth draft. And this is, I think this is a great instructive quote. George says, as I was writing the third draft, and they had already cast Alec Guinness based on this second draft. So they cast Alec Guinness and he didn't, he didn't know he was going to die. Like he had this second draft. So he says, as I was writing the third draft, I realized once they left the Death Star, there wasn't anything for Ben to do, but just stand around for the rest of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not good for a character of his importance. So it wasn't until the fourth draft that I decided we had to kill Ben and we'd give his voice, have his voice guide Luke for the remainder of the story. Alec Guinness was upset, but I managed to convince him that it was best for the movie. So, I mean, damn, I think it's for me, like I read a lot of scripts that uh, the characters don't earn earn their place on screen. I read a lot of scripts where like there's four characters and three of them just stand around for like most of the story. (laughs) And there's just like one guy talking and doing things and everybody's like, cool, that's yeah, let's do it. Um, Also, just like I mean, like Ed, you said how like Darth Vader was super scary, like for me the most emotional part of the movie is his death. You know, like that ad, well, when I first saw the movie, that's, I cried. When well, I, mean, I mean, it made you hate him, you know, like yeah. it made you like, you mm-hmm. know, because, uh, you know, because before that he was, you know, I mean, he, you know, he was in charge of the, you know, you know, barbecuing uh, and, uh, you know, the, the Skywalker's uh, and uncle. <laughs> yeah, but, right. but um, you know, and then, you know, he cho- force choked that one guy in the, you know, in the, in the uh, Death Star, but yeah, killing Ben was like, man, you, how could you kill Ben? You son of a 
in yeah. a Yeah, yeah, it's a major personal stakes raiser. Yeah. Also, like it shows so much. It's more like premise delivery with like the force and everything, right? Like, mm-hmm. like it shows us what that. It expands the the yeah. the off screen movie of what the force is and who. The also, yeah, are. what just happened? The mystique. Yeah. 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 He just disappeared. Yeah, and, well, and, so. yeah, and the fact that his body disappears, you're like, that's there's you know maybe Questions. he's not dead something imagine is, the movie without any of this it's a, that's going like, on. that's like the ultimate cliffhanger i mean except for empire but that's yeah before empire yeah. that's like what happened to ben you know i think this is a pretty big stroke of genius with the with the rewriting process this yeah. one like I, I i don't know if it's apocryphal or or not but i think the way i've usually heard it is they rewrote that during the shoot and it was oh, kind really? of a, a lot of times it gets attributed to George's wife, like, you know, you gotta and he realized and George tells different stories all the time. So it's really <laughs> he's really cagey to track down for this. Stuff. It was also like 40, 45 years ago. It's hard to remember yeah. how things this down. book this book's about 20 years old. So um okay, so this is this is my last point, and then we can move on to the next thing. Um George originally planned to cram the entirety of the prequels and the original trilogy into one single long movie. (laughs) He said, there was a point in the second draft where I decided to limit star Wars. I knew what happened later. I knew what happened before, but I decided that this is what mattered most in this story that I needed to make the script about. Like Zack Snyder's how, Star how, Wars. How long was that? First <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, it's like four or five hours. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've I talked think that, about. I feel like the off-screen movie thing covers any commentary on this. Yeah, right? yeah, it, and I think I've I've heard other people debate this. Like he does say that George says this, but they say, yeah, he didn't have the idea to do all these like I am your father and this and that and all. This no, and they stuff. talk about that yeah. changing in this in in this book too. But as far as like the whole of the the ideas of the whole thing, right? The big. He was trying to. I we in in the rise of Skywalker episode we talked about the power of consolidation and they did the opposite they tried to just like cram as much shit as possible into the movie so it becomes this bloated mess instead of a very focused like period of time with a few characters that we focus on they try to cram in as many characters as possible and as much shit as possible and there's power in consolidation when you have all these ideas also like for for the way he was trying to approach it then i mean ed you direct tv jamie you're save the cat writes the tv guy you can make a tv show if you wanted you're making a movie <laughs> yeah yeah you know what i mean like what that idea sounds like a tv show yeah it, it, yeah it's a, it's a mini series you know like <laughs> yeah you know, what they yeah. used to call it back then right yeah yeah well so that thanks for doing that with me guys i felt like that no, was that's, like i didn't really know any cool. of that stuff so that's, yeah, that's great, uh, like man. like that's all really that cool. stuff i feel like all that stuff you can learn from it's why like your favorite movie didn't start that way so keep keep rewriting that also that's how most movies are too don't think when you read stuff like that it means the movie was like in bad hands or something that's yeah remember back how to the most fu- things yeah. back to the future was a water heater that didn't move yeah there the- was no car <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> and how like, these things happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like magic how they come together. Well, um, and even, I mean, I know this is a screenwriting thing, but, you know, even in the, you know, you could do a whole thing of the, how the movie changed in the editing, you know, mm-hmm. editing. Too. I think that's yeah. writing too, though. I mean, yeah, writing absolutely. Yeah, that's, editing. Your fi- that's your final draft, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, and so, so yeah, movies change so much in the editing room, you know, so. That, uh, like, Ed, that's the reason we kind of went with the final edit of the movie is the script because trying to yeah pick, pick pick one version of a script to talk about is impossible oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah what would you pick for most movies there's like you know 20 drafts uh yeah yeah we always treat the final edit of the movie as the script yeah, yeah. And that's the one people see so they don't have to read yeah. a whole script to listen to the show yeah. um i was gonna say this next one i feel like f- this is Ed, this is like almost directly for you. Yeah, this is I put uh, this on here for you. Ed. I know this is like the the, the Ed <laughs> segment, uh, creating toy Edic characters, the action figure exercise. Jamie, where did you where did this term toy toy Edic come from? I don't know. It, you know, it's something I've heard before. I mean, I even heard it a lot, but I hear people use this toy Edic kind of thing about concepts. You know, it's, you do. It's some, some lame thing that people do you say. ever hear it in your <laughs> when you get notes and stuff uh, for your I can't, jobs? I can't book? say I can't say I I have personally gotten the toyetic note, but I've I've heard other people have gotten the toyetic note. Okay, well, explain so, what this is. Explain. What okay, this is. so so <laughs> bingo, Ed. Somebody, one of our fans, made a bingo card for all the things we say over and over in every fucking episode. <laughs> um, and this is one of this is one of the bingo uh, squares. <laughs> I read amateur scripts all day, every day. That's my job. I read bad. Uh, no offense, but mostly bad scripts. People <laughs> who are trying to learn the craft and are new. Um, not always, but some. But most of the people that I work with are new to the craft and they're learning. And uh, in screenwriters now are so afraid to uh, unintentionally like discriminate against potential actors that uh, most of the scripts I read do, do not describe the, fi- the, the, the visual aspects of a character whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I will go 90 pages and I couldn't tell you what anyone looks like for the entire, <laughs> and I'm talking the, the physique anything there's all there's there's all this whiteboarding going on about the internals of a character yes i don't know a damn thing about what they're supposed to look like <laughs> and so it's because and and look like like representation is crucial right it's really important i'm really glad that people are focused on representation but uh being being so scared to describe the physical attributes of a character leads to a leads to a script where the the characters don't pop up on pop off the, the page you can't picture them so uh i've come up with this exercise that i that i give my clients to try i call it the action figure exercise because i'll be like okay I, you can tell me anything about the internals of your character what the hell do they look like what what makes them quote unquote toyetic <laughs> and that's writing that is writing it is right? the writer's yeah. job imagine if you read this script star wars and they didn't describe darth vader He's scary. He had a long history of trauma. 
<laughs> but like you don't describe the costume but he looks like a dentist you know like uh, yeah like you, you don't you don't describe the fact that his physique is bigger than anybody else in the movie the contrast is not me- mentioned on the page i read scripts like this all the time i'm like wait this okay so this fight's going on well who's bigger than the other guy like how how big is this person and what's the yeah anyway so I have uh, I have an exercise and we can we can do this together for all for whoever you want. But I, I thought it would be fun to do for Princess Leia and for Han Solo. And we could even do them for the others if it goes fast. So here's here's the parameters. <clears throat> uh, their unique physical appearance. And it's not about attractiveness, even though sometimes it's relevant. It's about their physicality, what they look like. This includes hairstyles. Um, their costume. What? What are? What's? Ask yourself when you're brainstorming. What's in your character's closet during the course of the movie? And coming up with these ideas for costumes, you can start with a costume and create like a set piece and a scenario just out of the costume. I mean, the sequels did this. Um, accessories. Uh, what? What are the things? that are specific to your character that best represent them that you'd find inside the box. They here you got your character and here comes their accessories with them. Um, and even brainstorming accessories on their own, that'll give you ideas for what's gonna happen. Um, scars, birthmarks, or tattoos. Um, you know, in certain movies, we see people get beat to shit and their action figure would have them like bloodied, <laughs> have like scars and stuff like, because like, like imagine if you have a if you have a John McClane action figure, he's got to have bloody feet. It's got to be dirty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like so. So coming up with like those types of things is a good idea generation tool to to figure out, like, what are the cool things that could happen in your movie and make your character toyetic. Um, and then the last thing is the pull string quotes or, or catchphrases. If they had a pull string quote, if they had a pull string what would it say if the, and and now they just push you just push a button and the characters say things um i try to challenge my clients to come up with three lines that perfectly represent their character and what happens with their character in the story so uh unique physical appearance costumes accessories scars tattoos or birthmarks and pull string quotes catchphrases did you guys see free guy by the way this is relevant yes yeah all of you it's so free guy uh uh, ryan ryan reynolds character the the villain that they place in on the back end of the movie he's a great example of this of this technique he's incomplete and his his line is literally catchphrase Um, (laughs) (laughs) so you can see that these these writers are doing this that's it's kind of like a meta version of this exercise catchphrase um okay so uh, we can bounce here. I'm I'm not going to say anything. You guys can say it. Han Solo, his his physical appearance. I mean, not his costume. Physical appearance. Ripped, jacked. Attra- <laughs> He's attractive, huge. handsome, yeah, attractive, skinny. You know, not too bulky. Not too. Every man. Like, yeah. He's not built. He's not cut. Right. That every man aspect of his physique is is important. Just like Indiana Jones every man physique that's what he, he's in over his head physically in every situation yeah right. yeah 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 and also i think han solo i mean and, and this is like really like kind of deep but i always felt like that han solo was kind of a criminal and like kind of didn't have like you know wasn't like he was kind of skinny and he was like he didn't really feed himself right i mean it's, it's just something really <laughs> deep 
but it's something that just his life was just you know he wasn't like taking he wasn't he wasn't a guy who was taking really good care of himself yeah yeah, I mean? yeah. well uh, and you can get he, there off of doing this you know, exercise yeah. Yeah. on solo he, he's wearing a like an undershirt and a vest and he looks like he eats mac and cheese every night you know yeah exactly Millennium falcon looks like a tra- you know it's just <laughs> he, sleep, ship, like, he sleeps in his clothes it's not yeah like he yeah. probably he, yeah he probably has bo you know yeah <laughs> the cockpit smells like cigarettes oh, oh i mean chewy's yeah. got to smell bad too oh, probably yeah in a scene of him like bathing chewy like chewy's but, dingle, dingleberries oh, oh no but like it's one of those things where you can imagine they both smell so bad but they're used to it and then other oh, people yeah, have yeah. to like come into their little globe and uh, it's like oh uh, god yeah but, but that's, uh, that's texture to their story. That's, that's Le- texture, Leia. right? These things Le- Le- Leia could have said, you know what I mean? Like, oh, man, what's the smell in here? Like, <laughs> yeah. When's the last time you guys cleaned this shit? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like two bachelors, you know, it's a bachelor pad. It's a bachelor pad. <laughs> And, and, and you can easily, when you agree that like Luke, I don't get that from Luke. Luke doesn't look like he stinks. No, no it's like no. he takes regular showers. He brushes. Yeah, and also Luke, Luke looks a little, looks a little, you know, better fed because you know his aunt is has the milk and he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> drinking that milk. Does the body yeah. good? Yeah. The power of contrast. Um, right. Uh, so anyway, with the with yeah, I mean, we got into the costumes, right? He's like he's got he's like a space cowboy. Yeah. Um, and but but it's cool. What, what I love about like these movies, particularly how, like because the toys are just, you know, perfect representation of like why it's important to do this. Han has three costumes in the movie. He has his space cowboy costume. He has his uh, stormtrooper Han and you have uh, his sort of metal ceremony fancied up yeah, the cleaned up version <laughs> the cleaned up version so like if you're coming up with ideas for your character and you come up with like these multiple costumes in the closet then you can come up with ideas where like how do we get there what does this mean what's what's gonna happen to make to make him wear this costume just um, i, I want to say jimmy too like just to clarify for anyone listening like the exercise isn't saying you have to have a movie that has action figures it's you want there to be a possible action figure for your yeah. characters like yeah you're not saying you should only write movies that, that no i mean figures. we like like yeah. think about think about wayne in wayne's world right we just right. talked we didn't do this exercise in our episode but black t-shirt uh mullet hair black hat, hat ripped yeah. jeans in every scene he's wearing the same damn thing. <laughs> and he it makes him toyetic like it makes him yeah. iconic and that's just a comedy character uh like ned ryerson in in groundhog day trench coat top hat briefcase glasses uh, <laughs> good yeah. after what what are his, what are his full strength quotes? Well, Ned the, Ryerson, Phil, Phil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can do it with side characters. So uh, what are what are some what are some pull strength quotes for Han? You, I'm, I'm testing you guys your movie your movie uh, knowledge of this. I mean, movie. I'm gonna let Ed Ed. You got you gotta have one here, right? Um, <laughs> Put you no, on man, the spot. I, I, actually, I actually haven't seen I haven't seen the movies in a while. <laughs> Um, Amazing, uh, but there's, you know, I mean, there's some. I mean, um, uh, I'm not trying to make you look. Yeah, bad. now I feel bad. I put you on the spot. <laughs> Ed's, Ed's never seen this movie. Yeah, he's never seen Star Wars. Uh, what, right. what, movie, what movie are we talking about? <laughs> I'll get. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give Sophie's you choice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he says. He says, "Hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid." I mean, that's Han Solo, like. I have that, a bad feeling I, about this. 
I yeah, mean, that's, both. That's yeah. where I would go. Yeah. Um, I would go. yeah. He, he said, look, your worship, let's get one street thing straight. I take orders from just one person, me. <laughs> I mean, you put that on a whiteboard before the movie, you can make yeah. the whole damn movie and Han Solo stuff just based off that one line. Yeah. Um, so it speaks to the power of just like brainstorming, like what are the things my character would say that they believe about themselves that makes them unique and memorable? Yeah. Um, so uh let's I, I, all right, I have one like when he says to Luke, don't get cocky or whatever. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yo, calm down, kid. Yo, be cool. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, he's, that's the cool, he's the coolest character. Be cool. Yeah, exactly. yeah we cool. just want to battle, but like okay, yeah, we get, get on that even. All right. Yeah, we're blowing up ships. That's part of the deal. I, this is a Tuesday um, for me, okay? Come on. <laughs> you know. All right, yeah. all right. Um print we can do it, it, it. Which one do you want to do? You want to do Luke? You want to do Princess Leia? You want to do who you want to do? Let's do one more. One more. Uh, I mean, you want to do Leia. Leia's fine. Yeah, I mean, let's that's do a complete let's, contrast to Han. Right? Let's let's do Leia. Physical appearance. I mean, clean, regal. Yeah, well quaffed. Her hair is the most quaffed hair in all of cinema, right? And that's great contrast to the well, yeah, the hair buns, I think, is the is the instructive thing here. She has like a very memorable, iconic hairstyle that is so unique that it created like a craze of people wearing hair buns, you know, um, yeah. And like you see those hair buns, you instantly think Princess Leia, right? It's they those are those you wouldn't think anybody else except for that. It's that mental real estate, right, Jamie? And mm -hmm. if I'm correct me guys if I'm wrong, but she only has two costumes in the movie. She just her white dress mm -hmm. and then her ending. Happy. She's got she's got the the stepped up white dress. Yeah, it's yeah, for the medal yeah. ceremony. Yeah, I mean she's a she's a princess. Man. Right, right. She's yeah. Well, well in she later sequels, there's been other defined looks, let's be honest. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah more yeah. action figures, man. Come on. Yeah, more action. Exactly. And then, no, but I, I mean, mean, but but Leia, Leia, you know, which is interesting is like why you know her and Han kind of belong together. You know, is that she had she was kind of a a wise ass too. You know what I mean? Like, aren't you? Yeah. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? And yeah, and that's a pull quote right there. You know, and even and he, you know she comes in and talks about the Tarkin. The oh, I, I recognize that smell or whatever Tarkin. That you know, smell like, stench. He's yeah. Kind of an asshole, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, some some of the quotes I said, somebody has to save our skins. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, well, uh, get, get that uh, walking carpet out of my way or somebody. Get yeah, that's exactly. Out of my so way, like. She's got a very unique perspective and voice. She and, even pull, and, she pulls rank on them at one point. Like, she's yeah, like, man. Hey, listen to me. I'm the princess. She says, yeah. I don't know who you are or where you came from, but from now on, you do as I tell you. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's Princess Leia, man. Yeah. I, yeah. When, I, when I was watching that, I remember back when I was five, that section got the biggest laugh out of the audience. Like when she like puts them in their place and then get this walking carpet out of my oh, way. Oh yeah, no, people love that, man, yeah. Yeah, it was like, there was nothing funnier ever said in the movie theater you would have thought. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, and she even has accessories, right? Like what would be in, what would be the accessories in Leia's box? I mean, she would come with accessories, right? Well, movie. she has that little blaster. She came with the mm -hmm. little. I'm talking about blaster. the action figure yeah. itself. The, came with the, the little bla blaster. Yeah, the blaster, right? And yeah. and and like she, you might have the the MacGuffin Death Star plans, right? The, Death the Star disc, plans. Yeah. yeah, the disc, yeah. and and the metal in the, the in metal. the end. You might have the metal, right? So like and these the, things, you brainstorm these things. Did the, the weird you might torture did the original, droid? Did the original <laughs> the releases of? 
Did the original right. releases of the of the toys actually have accessories, or were they just the toy? I don't, I don't remember. They, they, they had, had accessories. Guns. They had, they they had, had accessories. guns. They had guns. Yeah, so they, yeah they, the, they had guns. Like she had a little gun. Like it was only for her. And then Han had his gun. And then um, Luke had the lightsaber. That yeah, lightsaber came out of his arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Darth Vader with their lightsabers. Yeah, did we get a bow? The, the large size R2D2. Chewie had, yeah, Chewie had a yeah a little. That is uh, his crossbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. large size R2D2 had a had a compartment. In yeah, that. and it came out. With yeah, the plans, right? Yes. Yeah, the little plans. <laughs> yeah, those are awesome, man. <laughs> How big was that? How big was the R2? Oh, he okay. yeah, okay. yeah. And the, <laughs> yeah, the, and the plans were just like little, like like little postage stamp size, but you can slide yeah. them out. You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. they had like schematics on them. You're like, oh. So, <laughs> so scratch and sniff. They smell just like real plants. <laughs> so this is just an exercise when you're coming up with your characters. It's not just about the internals. The internals are important, but you gotta, you gotta. It is the writer's job to make these people visual, yeah. Yeah. and to yeah. yeah. Ed, do what you about, what about a, what about some chewy quotes? How about? <laughs> 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 Let's do some of those. <laughs> well, I in mean, that one, also, in like, that one scene, he said. I mean, no, Chewie's a great example too, because like it'd be easy just to that whole costume, give him nothing else, but putting a band like a bandolier on him. Right, yeah. that's what it's called, right? Like that yeah. just adds everything yeah. to his yeah. character. It shows that he's Absolutely. a warrior, he's strong, yeah. Yeah. he's been places, he's done things. And that's writing. Yeah. And grant granted, they have their departments, right? But ultimately it's the writer's job to inspire these departments. Right. So yeah. So it's writing. Coming up with the look of your character is writing. Um, well, since we did and we didn't really cover him that much on this, let's move on to Luke. Right? Okay. Luke's things okay. that need fixing. Let's. Talk I'm gonna about try. That. I'm gonna try to do this Let's fast. Do, yeah, we're gonna keep then, it short. And then, uh, uh, you guys can bounce off. This is another one where I was hoping together we could kind of see if this tracks. In uh, mm-hmm. we've we've talked about many characters. Uh, there's the idea of in when you when you introduce your character bef- in their before world in their ordinary world that uh, you want to give them multiple things that need fixing. So that uh, we can see them over, you know, in conflict with these multiple layers of things in during the subplots and in their interactions with characters and give them things to grow out of, you know, into better people. So uh, these things that need fixing fall into five categories. Generally, changes in attractiveness or false beliefs or personality, strained personal relationships, not being entrusted with responsibility or not being able to handle responsibility being invisible to key people or seeking invisibility and others don't believe in you or you've given up on yourself. It's so weird. I'm picturing Obi-Wan for all these answers. <laughs> <instantly. Yeah. right. laughs> but, um, okay. Let's he talk works. About- he fits. I mean, Obi- too. Obi-Wan yeah. answers all of these. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, uh, like, uh, Obi-Wan is, has strained personal relationships. Obi-Wan's not people are like, who's that weird, creepy wizard. So he's not entrusted. Um, Obi-Wan is seeking invisibility and he's invisible um, by design. And Obi-Wan, others don't believe in everybody. You know, everybody thinks he's creepy. Um, but uh, but uh, what about Luke? Do you think these track with Luke? Like changes in attractiveness, not really. False beliefs, definitely. I mean, becoming a war think? hero is pretty hot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, ch- <laughs> I think changes in attractiveness kind of, you know, the, the idea that, you know, that he kind of, 
Leia kind of gets, you know, he becomes attracted <laughs> to Leia, which That's is true. Weird, but <laughs> in this oh, weird. boy, yeah, right. <laughs> in this one, it's fine though. Yeah. Um, I guess he has false beliefs that he doesn't believe he can make a difference. I mean, that's pretty pretty damn clear, right? But he also has like such uh, he's so eager to try. You know yeah. what I mean? That kind of butts up against that a little bit. Yeah. Like his that's, eagerness that's, to join. Yeah, that's true. Join yeah. Up. He's, uh, yeah. he's eager, but on the flip side, like when he's really put to it with Ben, he's like, I can't do that. I have to right. go yeah. work in a moisture farm. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's not able to handle responsibility, right? Like here's right. Obi-Wan saying you need to train the train in the ways of the force and help Leia and myself because I'm too old for this shit. And he's like, I can't do that. I'm not ready for that. So yeah, he, he definitely is not able to handle responsibility. I feel like he does feel like he's invisible, right? He's just on this farm. He's like, I'm never going to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, man. So yeah. he definitely has being invisible to keep people and others don't believe in you or you've given up on yourself. He definitely does. He thinks he's a good pilot, but he definitely doesn't believe in his ability to change the 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 war, you know? Yeah. Well, and even and even in the difference in beliefs, like, you know, at the beginning of the movie, he's like, he wants to join the academy. Like he has this, mm-hmm. oh, I'm gonna the, the, all my problems are gonna be, you know, solved <laughs> if I do this. And then by the end, he's like, Are you you know, he's completely changed. This, you know? this is insane. Yeah. Like yeah. this is really that scary. Insane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Like he thinks the academy is gonna be a breeze and like, you know, he's he's like, this is gonna be no big deal. And like then he sees like like them blow up a planet and all these yeah like yeah that's not good man yeah like yeah 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 and you can also add the microcosm of luke's use of the force like he doesn't actually you know he's not uh arrogant with his use of the force he doesn't believe he can do it and then you have to have that pep talk from yeah there's like a second whole set of these specific to being a jedi to being a jedi that's what i'm saying to being a jedi right you could be a jedi like your father and he's like no i can't and then he's like i want to be one um, we get then, to see then that. Use the force, Luke, to blow it up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And so that, so okay, so so he kind of does all have all five of these. Okay, I wasn't sure if we were gonna find them all, but we it seems like we did. So um, that's building onto the next thing, and and I'll just real fast go through it. I'm not gonna give all the examples, but um, we have this like Jamie. I'm sure you've dealt dealt with this before. I read a script where somebody arcs. They have their big arc moment, and you're like, wait. I didn't see anything that like would prove to me that they would grow and change. It's like on the beat sheet, they're like, they arc at this moment. It's (laughs) it's the biggest problem you see. They know there should be a character arc. So they just write one in when they change, but they don't write the learning lessons. Mm -hmm. They don't shoot the milestones along the way. Yeah. Milestones is a good word. I, I call it growing pains. Like we need to see the growth chart, the growing pains of a character in order to uh like in in back to the future it's weird like when when i was tracking this it's kind of so similar obi-wan like teaching luke how to believe in himself and use the force it's so similar marty teaching george mcfly his dad to believe in himself and and defeat biff and save lorraine his mom like it's so it's it tracks almost like all the beats are so similar to that story like you can tell that uh bob zemeckis and bob gale were like influenced by this um but we have we we have like basically a beginning middle and ending that clearly shows us how Luke is growing and changes. We get him saying like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I'm incapable of doing this. And then we see him during the Jedi training exercises, getting shot 
you know, by the little remote thing. It, does the toy have a name? Do they sell that toy? What is it's, that thing? Um, it's what's it called? Uh, it's just the remote, the remote droid. Or... <laughs> the, okay. <laughs> and so we see him getting shot, and then you know, Obi Wan's like, "Trust your feelings. Uh, don't trust your eyes. Trust your feelings. Reach out." And 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 he puts the shield down, and then he's able to stop the blast. So we get our mom- a little bit of a moment of growth and change. What's and then- the purpose of that blast shield, by the way? Like, why <laughs> why do they build that on the helmet? <laughs> well, I guess when you're, I mean, when you're flying into the sun or some shit. Yeah, yeah. that's good. <laughs> you're in space, Jamie. I mean, you need shields. Come on, so you, dude. So you just blind yourself? Why don't you just? I don't know. <laughs> So um, and and then we uh, we see when he watches Ben die or so he thinks he like you can see he's like tapping into his feelings and he shoots all the stormtroopers one after the other on his first shot and shoots the controls. So he's just like he's all of a sudden he's a damn marksman. Bam, bam, bam. And trial by fire. Right. Yeah. And and we so we're seeing we're getting little moments of growth. And then we have the big moment where he, you know, they sort of tease the end there with the shutting down the the visor we see sort of the same thing he turns he takes the technology thing away and and his targeting computer is turned off and he just uses the force to shoot the thing so we this this is this movie is a great example if you're trying to understand what it means to prove that your character is growing and changing following luke's using the force is a great instructive example on how to do that I mean, there's a reason it feels so powerful because we've watched him grow and change into being able to do that. Yeah. They earn it. Yeah, yeah totally absolutely. Do. Totally do. Um, I think we've actually covered a lot of the stuff that we had down here. Yeah, what we, yeah. What if we go to five-point finale? Let's, let, That's let's cool. finish up with five-point well, finale. You know, I think... I think well, unless uh, you want to do something good, else there, Jamie. Good news, bad news technique might be instructive, too, for this one. Okay, let's I do good news. Jimmy mapped it. Oh, man, it, it's a lot of just me talking again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we, we, you know what? We, we, can like, talk we like it. We like it. Yeah. We okay, do. okay. All right. So it's there's a good there, one for this There's one. So uh, there's there's an... Ex- who can, is this a Terry Rossio exercise, Jamie? Uh, no, I think it's Will Martell. Will Martell. Okay. Yep. Um, so William Martell, William his, Martell, his blue book series. If you're out there and you've never heard of William Martell, he has uh, some of the greatest screenwriting books that exist and they're called the blue book series. And uh, this is, this is a technique where, okay, you have an action scene, right? And you're starting from scratch and you got to get from beginning to end and you want to make it interesting. Well, one really simple way to do that is just make a blank list of good news, bad news, good news, bad news, good news, bad news, and fill in the blanks of how your character gets from the beginning of this scene full of conflict to the end of that scene. And just by doing that, and and it works with dialogue, two people sitting at a table, the good news is the conversation is going good. The bad news is I just said something and put my foot in my mouth. Um, The good news is I remembered something good to say. You know, it works with dialogue too. So the two episodes uh, of ours that shine here, I think were Raiders and Solo. Raiders and Solo have great yeah uh good news bad news actually the the big wing scene in in raiders is amazing with this um okay so this is luke and leia on the bridge on the bridge scene when they're running from the stormtroopers this is the bridge scene and it i mean it's such a it's such an instructive example so i'll try to use my micro machines voice ready (laughs) (laughs) um The good news is they've outrun the stormtroopers, reached a bridge, and shut the blast door behind them. 
The bad news is they can't lock the door. There's no lock on the door. The good news is Luke blasts the control panel so the incoming troops can't open the door. The bad news is the bridge is broken. And in order to get to get it to extend across, they needed that panel that Luke just blasted. <laughs> the good news is Luke has a plan to use his grappling hook to swing across. The bad news is on the other side of the bridge, the troopers have arrived and are shooting at them. The good news is Luke manages to fight them off with his blaster. The bad news is while Luke readies his grappling hook, more troopers arrive on the other side of the bridge as reinforcements and fire at them. The good news is Leia managed to fight them off with her blaster. The bad news is the troops on the other side of the door behind them are starting to open it. Here they come, she says. The good news is Luke launches his grappling hook onto the rafters above them. The bad news is the troopers have almost managed to open the door behind them and they're almost coming through. The good news is Luke and Leia swing across the other side of the bridge together and race to safety, escaping the troops. So that entire scene is just one exercise in good news, bad news. Every single moment is a, a positive, a negative, a positive, a negative. So it's just a great example of like how to make a scene, really any scene, interesting. Especially, I mean, action specifically, but it works almost with any, like even conversations. And it works too. with conversations. You yeah. could you could do that with two people sitting at a table and make it fun. Yeah, so, and I yeah. I think I think the best way the best way to do it is if first of all it has to escalate. Like you should mm -hmm. keep escalating so you know you're getting toward the end, and so everything should be a little worse for the hero as it goes on. And then there's also some great ones where the good news is. It's actually bad news. It's kind of like a false victory. Like, Better like news, the, but not so good news. <laughs> right, right. Not so if good you can news. <laughs> if you can find those, they're always kind of a laugh. You know, yeah. they're always kind of like, oh, wait, moment. Indy's going to reach for his gun. Oh, wait, his gun's not there. Like, like you know, yeah, exactly. like, oh, he has a gun. Oh, wait, he's not. Yeah. So even more. But I'll, yeah. I'll read scripts where there's an action scene and our hero is just kicking ass for the entire time. There's yeah, no, yeah, it's not. There's no, it's yeah. just flat. So even though from a writing standpoint, you're like, all this cool stuff is happening, but there's, it's not exciting because everything that's happening is all positive. It's all good news. And I'll rerun script after another. Whereas there's literally no bad news for an entire action <laughs> sequence. And so you're like, I mean, this is, this is very fun to read, but it's not like, I feel no stakes. I see that in the fun and game section of scripts all the time. So that early second act, there's just no obstacles. There's no bad news. It's just a straight trajectory of like a hero just conquering, you know, stuff. And Neo can control the Matrix at the beginning of the movie. And yeah. It I'm, runs through I mean, everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, we didn't get into it, but that's a good point, Bob. Like the what one thing I was struck by this movie is how the empire has like total dominant control until like 30 seconds before the movie's over. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like it isn't until like 30 seconds before the movie's over. And even then Tarkin's like, uh, who cares? Like, you really want me to run away right now in our, uh, in our moment of triumph? Like we got this, like even in, even in the moment where they're finally feeling a little sense of danger, they're like, nah, we're in control. Yeah. Um, and in the grand scheme of the like the OT, it's like that this we're still watching a small victory. Like mm -hmm. they have so much resources, they're gonna build a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, all, yeah, they're already building a second. Yeah, one. they're already yeah. on it. Yeah, they, they've got you, everything. You don't want your hero to gain uh, the upper hand too soon. And and I read that all the time. We're like fifty percent into the script. The heroes kind of got the villain on their heels, 
and now the hero's in control. And that's you, you, you want. This is boring, man. This is yeah. makes boring. for a boring story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What, ha- yeah. what happens in the funny game section? A lot of times, people like think that should just be a montage. Like you know, imagine if it's almost you could almost see this movie. Imagine if it's montage of, and then they go to a bar and they they give Han Solo money and they fly away and they get and there's <laughs> there's no back and forth and no conflict in any of this. That's kind of I could I, see that as. <laughs> That's a, that's a YouTube edit right there, I guess. But yeah, my, my, my like students space do it all the time. No, in the most Eisley Cantina yeah. for like thirty seconds, and mm-hmm. like Han and Chewie eating an ice cream cone, and, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. and then running on the beach together, holding hands. Okay, so yeah, a, five point re, finale, right? Re, yeah, related to the good news, bad news. The five point finale is kind of this for the finale in some ways, and the five point finale is something from Save the Cat Strikes Back. Uh, so there's in, in Save the Cat, there's this huge finale section and Blake Snyder basically said, yeah, just go do a finale. And he didn't really give any guidance. So then in, in Strikes Back, he kind of came up with some guidance and you'll find it, it to steal one of Jimmy's terms, it tracks in a lot of different movies. It tracks in rom-coms, dramas, but it really, really, really tracks almost on the nose way. I mean, it's. For this movie, like this movie is the example of it. So I figured it'd be worthwhile to talk about it. Mm -hmm. The the five points are, I'll go through the five points first, and then we can kind of walk through them. Step one is gathering the team. Uh, This is usually where the team comes together. Sometimes it's a suit up montage. Sometimes it's getting in vehicles. It's kind of getting ready to go. Step two is execution of the plan, or as I like to call it, storming the castle. Mm -hmm. So usually it's... Yeah, go for it, Jimmy. In a siege movie, it's defending the castle. So in a yeah. siege movie, it's defending whatever the plan is. I mean, the plan in a rom-com, it's running to the airport or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, so it's it's all that kind of stuff. Step three, and this is the big one. This is the one that's so important. Is your finale, and th- this is, goes back to the good news, bad news montage thing we were talking about. There has to be a surprise. The plan cannot work. That's the big thing. So the plan can mostly work. It can be a great plan, but there's some surprise. There's some reason either the bad guy knows there's some trick, something has to happen. And you'd think this would be obvious, but you'd be surprised how many scripts I read where again, there's no big surprise. The plan just kind of works out the end. It's almost like the writer gets bored of the script. It's like Ocean's the Eleven, the heist works exactly. perfectly and they get away scot-free. It, ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you could even even label this with Akbar's, uh, it's a trap! It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Oh, yeah, no. well, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. The Death Star tra- is operational. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. It, yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so so then, then the other part that gets into theme and character arc, step four is the dig down deep so at this point, mm-hmm. the hero has to come up with a new plan. And usually it has something to do with the character arc. For some reason, the hero is different in the end of your movie. So they have to come up with something that they couldn't have come up with in the beginning of the movie. There's something that's changed. So you dig down deep. And then step five is execution of the new plan. So whatever plan they come up with, that's what they do. And they execute it. So you can kind of see, you probably already can see in your head where this goes mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in Star Wars. Um, gathering the team. What do you think gathering the team is? 
I mean, it's gathering the team, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a literally gathering team. Yeah, they're suiting up for war, literally. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. literally, yeah. it's yeah. literally storming the I mean, this the is castle. a war movie, so this they, stuff follows to the T, right? They lay out the plan for us visually. We see yeah, the 3D they have a, they model. Have a me- they have a meeting, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we see a 3D model of the trenches. There's, yeah, a, pe- there's a pep talk, basically, yeah. Yep. And yeah. then storming the castle is just executing that plan. Let's go attack the Death Star. You know, yeah. let's let's get in the trenches. It's the initial engagement. When the whole squad just storms down. They yeah, shoot, yeah. yeah shoot the, the torpedo in the hole. Like that's the, the high plan, towers, right? The, yeah, the high tower surprise is a little. It's not as big of it's a trap. It's a little, movie. yeah. It's a, it's a little weak. Yeah, it's, it's a little, a little yeah, weak. Yeah. It doesn't have yeah. so. But I think there's a couple things. I think it's Vader saying, you know, I'm going out there. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna, it's Vader. Yeah, and also the fact that they they just can't seem to hit the target. I mean, yeah. that's, it's kind of like it's it like, doesn't work. It's not, it's it's not easy. Yeah. It's yeah. not easy to do. Yeah, right? it has its own failures. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so dig down deep. I see there's really two things, and remember, dig down deep's related to arc. So part of it is you know use the force, Luke and, and Obi Wan. It's always weird because. Luke like holds his ear like he, he's like is that over my speaker? Is he over my speaker? <laughs> <laughs> he should he should have, like looked around. Yeah. <laughs> like, Are you ben? in here, man? <laughs> ben, is Ben hear- there with you? Yeah. Ben, I thought you were dead, dude. Yeah. yeah. Um. So have you been so watching the, me the whole time? It, exactly. You watch so, me go to the. You take watch me take that big dump and at the <laughs> base. That fear dump. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, the pre-attack dump. Uh, that's, that's, that's step uh, zero. The pre-attack, the pre-planned dump. Blake Snyder didn't cover the dump. No, he didn't cover the pre-plan. Uh, so <laughs> so there, there's really two parts to this one, uh, in my opinion. So use the force, Luke. But then also the fact that Han comes and saves the day. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of showing his arc. Like that's his, his arc dig down deep. Absolutely. His yeah. Dig yeah. yeah. So. And then, of course, execution, the plan, he turns off his, what, what does he turn off again? The, his it's targeting, the targeting, the targeting system. Targeting. He's yeah. turned off his targeting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he, and he's the targeting computer, man. Come on. Targeting computer. <laughs> and and he, uh, he blows the sucker up. And that is your five-step finale. Yeah. So it's like the quintessential, like, you know, example of this technique and how it works to make a compelling last 10, 20 minutes of your movie. That's 20 minutes of the movie right there. So So even if you don't read Save the Cat Strikes Back, you can just watch Star Wars and pretty much. Yeah, I mean, and you can do five point finales in any scene like you can take this technique and make another scene interesting by using the same damn yeah. technique to I, make the end just like this. Yeah. Or or a sequence like I, I use it. Sometimes I'll I instruct people to use it in fun and games. The dig down deep part might be a little different. Yeah, you can nix you know? that. But yeah, um, but but throwing a surprise in the middle of like your first half of act two, sometimes just throwing like a midpoint high tower surprise at your hero. So things shift a little bit, but, but doesn't, but sometimes don't, doesn't like some, some movies do it too many times and you're like, I agree. It's the ending. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, no, I can't no, no, stand now it's that. the ending. Yes. Oh shit. It's not over yet. I, just, I, agree. Gets, I, I agree. I agree. I think it's the plague of the Marvel movies. I think mm-hmm. the Marvel movies give you like four of these or something. Yes. I, I yes. don't quite get it. I just want one. I want to go. Just home. Give me one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, are, you gotta, saying, are you saying like yeah. Endgame could have been like the Cap story right there, but then there's like 
nine other ones. You know what I mean? Yeah, it seems like Cap have... digs down deep, and then you see everyone else dig down and, deep. Yeah. And and honestly, we talked about it with the Batman last week. Yeah, right. And that's why that one has multiple endings in some ways. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess I'm spoiling the Batman. Yeah, uh, sorry. So I'll be cautious. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bat- not, Batman. Not really. Such yeah. an yeah. asshole. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I find the Marvel movies do it almost always like i i get to the end and i know that i see the gathering the team and i look at my watch and i'm like i don't have a watch actually i look at my phone uh and it's like 15 minutes or an hour is left and i'm like oh no oh no there's gonna be two endings like oh yeah 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 Yeah. it's a five point full runtime (laughs) when in doubt consolidate yeah yeah I like the old way where they just had one and you could finish it off like yeah to to me this movie has like the perfect ending it still holds up Mm -hmm. i even like the look of it, everything just still holds uh, up. It doesn't overstay its welcome for even never, a even no. a minute. It's no. over. It's over. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and that kind of that brings us to this being over. I guess. Speaking right? of perfect endings. Speaking of, <laughs> <laughs> that was our five point finale. Yeah. Um, Ed, see, I mean, thank you for listening to yeah, Jimmy thank talk. Thank you. Yeah. Sure, man. It was, uh, Jesus. I, I learned a lot. <laughs> I always do. Yeah. Um. Did, I mean, did you guys? Did anyone want to say anything they actually learned from doing this episode? Anything new? Uh. Yeah. I mean, I I learned. I think the thing that the 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 most surprising thing to me was the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And the power of that, like yeah. if this was earth 3300, it would just suck. And <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it basically, it would be Star Trek, you know, not that yeah, yeah. Star Trek sucks. No, I love Star Trek. Star Trek rules. Yeah. But there is a difference when you're, when you're tied into, you know, which is basically science fiction, you know, it's, it's what, it's why Star Wars is science fan, you know, science fiction fantasy, really. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it would take it takes the fantasy out. Star Wars has absolutely. more in common with Lord of the Rings than you know what I mean. With, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just with with gadgets, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so that I was mean, what I learned that that the power of that choice and 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 genre and tone, you know. I mean, yeah. for me, I'm going to say it's. I didn't know that R two D two was ever supposed to talk. Uh, I never knew that. I've never heard that before. And that would totally ruin all the funny moments in the movie. So for me, that's huge. You know, the comic relief being totally destroyed. I would be sad. So I'm working on a fan edit where it's Larry David as R2-D2. Okay. Maybe I'll watch that. Yeah. Okay. I'll probably like it. It would be funny though to add, to do like a, just R2-D2 talking the whole whole, whole movie. Like, what's he saying to the CPU? Like, you fuck you ass, you know. Golden golden bastard. Get out of here. A fan edit. And he curses. It's like... Yeah, hell, R2-D2 definitely got a filthy mouth, man. He's a mechanic, basically. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He is, yeah. And he's always complaining about stairs and stuff that he can't go up and down. (laughs) Yeah. Where's the ramp? <laughs> yeah, where's the ramp? Yeah. Inconsiderate. Where's the ramp? <laughs> yeah. Hell so yeah. Inconsiderate. All right. Uh, did did you, anybody want to plug anything before we stop? Ed, you got anything you want to plug? I, I don't even. Nah, not yeah. really, man. I'm okay. plugged out. I'm all plugged out. <laughs> In that case, uh, I think we're good. Right, guys? Yeah. All right. Good. Thanks, thanks for having me, man. Thank you so yeah, much. It was a blast. Ed. It was yeah, seriously Thank you, great. Ed. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've just listened to Writer's Blockbusters, a screenwriting podcast featuring two professionals and another guy. Available only on Thundergrunt. <laughs>